0: Second here, okay, before we get started um and just um, you know it is easy to come into church and even though you're sitting here even though there's songs, isn't it easy to just kind of check out and now here's the truth let me let me give you some an excuse okay is listen our our attention span is short I, I get that okay like I think it's down to like seven seconds, okay? Like it's getting shorter. I have to maximize my seven seconds with you, okay? Um, And then, you know, we kind of zone out, and then you pop back in, you zone out, and you pop back in, and I know every preacher thinks that we're just, y'all are hanging on the edge of your seat, and it's not true, okay? Um, But I really would encourage you, I'm a note taker, I think you should be too, because there will be times you're just writing it down, writing questions down, writing thoughts, because we've got to take this away from here. We just have to do that, okay? And uh, that's why we're having family groups even, you know, is, is say, hey, man, I, I don't understand this. I've been looking this over. I've been studying this. I kind of, I, I woke up for five minutes and Keith said, prostitute, man. And why do you say that, okay? I know kids, the kids in here, are, the parents are going, we're having conversations we never dreamed of having with our children. And, and I'm like, you know, you're welcome, right? <laughs> it's, my, it's my job, okay? Okay. Um, but I, what I want us to do is, is we've got we've to get ourselves into a head and a heart place um, where you aren't responding or listening to me, uh, but we're in a place where we are interfacing with God, okay? And the thing about this is there isn't any preacher I know on this earth that can take the place of God, that can take the place of Jesus, okay? Um, so I want us to take a second, and you talk to God, all right? Um, alone, just in your own silence, you have a conversation. Okay. And if you don't want God to speak to you through the scriptures, tell him that like, God, leave me be. Okay. Um, if you want him to, you go, man, I just struggled in my life. I please talk to me. All right. Um, do that. Okay. But we've got to have that right there or what it becomes is like this human exercise of like how many really great illustrations I can give you. And can I nail that perfect practical point that works for you? Okay. And it just, man, that's, um, people can't do that. Okay. So let's take a minute, just pray where you are, talk to God, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started in a second. Father, please uh, speak to our hearts, God. We are desperate for you and for your kingdom. We ask that your Holy Spirit teaches us that uh, our hearts are softened, that we hear you, and uh, wherever we need to hear you, Father, I pray that you guide us in that. Give us courage uh, to look deeply into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you can turn in your Bible over to 1 Peter chapter 1. So um, the whole year, the whole year, what are we talking about? Is by faith. Okay, and it's that idea. Of that's something, right, we all need more of is how can I be more faithful? Um, you know, the more honest I am with myself, and I think we've been talking a lot about this, is it's a little bit embarrassing, I think, the more I see how little my faith is. And I really love what, uh, what Alex shared at the beginning. Okay, if, that's, if the only thing you took from here is what, what he was sharing, um, which is the distinction between God of the Bible and gods, false gods, is that God is telling us, listen, um, when you couldn't earn it, I loved you. And all the other false gods are saying, you better get your act together before I'll even like you, okay? And so isn't it a great place to start is we aren't starting from distance, okay? When you're in Christ, you're starting from closeness, Okay, and sometimes we mess up Christianity because we spend our time spinning our wheels going, what are all the things I can do, God, to get you to like me and love me? Instead of going, you know what? Thank you that you love me, even though I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I deserve hell. Thank you that you have brought us in closely. Um, Now, what do I get to do? Right, man, it's just, it's this idea. It's just so different. It's so, hopefully, that's your mindset. We've been talking, like I said, about, Growing in faith, we decided we're going to take this book, this guy Peter, who wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Uh, some people think he even kind of co-wrote the Gospel of Mark, all right? Um, and we're thinking, who better to learn how to be faithful in this world than Peter? And I know, Jesus, I get that, okay? You're going, but Jesus, Keith. no, no, I get all that. I'm saying we, our hearts connect with Peter oftentimes because of Peter's failure and Peter's getting back on his feet. Um, Peter wanting to kind of give up and just go fishing and then coming back, right? And the idea that Jesus didn't give up and gave him a new name, gave him an awesome name, right? And, uh, and, and just kept believing in him. And I think there's a part of that that we connect to, right? I mean, there is that part of Peter's life where we're going, man, I, I get that. I get what it's like to want to quit. I get what it's like to have a bad season of life, right? I get, I get the temptation of not wanting to acknowledge Jesus. I get all of those things. And isn't it awesome that there's Jesus all along going, just come on, Peter, just keep walking with me, right? I love that, okay? And I think we're going to learn a lot from this, but we have spent a number of weeks in in chapter 1 because, man, uh, Peter does something uh, that no good preacher would do, okay? As I've said before, okay, Peter, (laughs) I don't know if he'd make it in our world today as a preacher. We would get tired of him because you want to know what he didn't do for almost the whole chapter? Tell us what to do. For almost the whole chapter, you going, Peter, did you not go to ministry training school? Did you not understand that you're supposed to tell people what to do? And he had the audacity to spend almost an entire chapter telling us how amazing God is and that we should think about that, right? How amazing what God has done for us, that, that our minds should be locked into that, okay? And unfortunately, you want to know what? We live in a time as disciples where we're just like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's get to the real stuff, right, and Peter's going, to, I think if he was talking to us, he go, that is the real stuff, Amen. like, of course, you could go be busy, and feel great about yourself, but being busy is different than loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, okay, it's very different, um, and so he talks about this living hope, um, he says there's this one command in the first, I mean, the first chapter, there's only two, the The one, it took him practically 14 verses to get to. And what he said was, set your hope on the grace that will be revealed when Jesus comes back. He says, I'm going to tell you, set your hope on what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. The amount of grace we're going to need, the miraculousness of transformation. That right there. And you're going, well, what does that have to do with faith? Everything, right? Because that's going, that's who I want to trust. That's who I want to have my hope in. Right. That's who I want my allegiance to be, that guy who's going to come back and transform everything. I mean, can you imagine? I want you to think about what that would be like when you're transformed into his likeness completely. That will be it's going to happen someday. If you're in Christ, it's going to happen someday. All right. You're going to go, wow, it's going to take a lot more grace than we think. Okay, it's not like it's easy, right? I mean, it's like, no, it's not. We need a lot. He says, this is what I want you to do. Set your hope. But then the second command, he says this, be holy because God is holy, okay? And we spent last week, and we're going to finish up this week because I think this is such an incredible, this is so big. Like if we don't get this, right, it's going to be very difficult for us to understand about faith. It's going to be very difficult for the church to not be distinctive from the world because this is what this is about, right? Mm-hmm. He says right here in 1 Peter 1, verse 16, he quotes God, and God says, be holy because I'm holy, and if there's one thing that we've got to start doing is we've got to kind of, if you haven't redefined or, let's say, undefined an antiquated view of what holiness is, this needs to happen, okay? Like, oftentimes, depending on what your upbringing is, oftentimes will be how you view holiness. So, like, I grew up more in, like, a very traditional, like, a Catholic church setting, okay? And so, holiness was... And if you're speaking up front, you have like nice robes and you have incense that smelled bad. It just smelled bad when he went by. And I felt guilty about that, you know, and you've got holy water. And I think I shared with you guys that as I gauged my righteousness in college on how much holy water could get thrown on me in a service, because he would he would throw it in the audience. And for two years, none hit me. And I was like, I am so evil. The water is avoiding me. okay? and I had this view, right, of, of what holiness was antiquated. It wasn't biblical, okay? But then other times, if you've grown up really maybe more in the South, right, we have more of a culture of holiness is about, is about speaking in tongues, and holiness is about like uh, this revival and all of this like craziness that can happen, right, tent revivals, and, and, and maybe you've been in a church where you've had a week where it's a revival week, you know, and... And everybody who's been kind of dead the whole year, we whip them into a frenzy for five days. And that's holy. Except that's not what God teaches holiness to be, right? As he talks about his holiness, he wants us to be holy because he wants his people to be distinct from the world. Yeah. It truly is that idea If some of you have heard this before, how we can be in the world but not of the world. He's saying this is how. Is you're not, he's not going to take us out of the world, but you can be in the world and be distinct and not partake in what the world partakes in. This is super, super important, okay? And so we went all the way back, and we, we dug in right here in, in, in verse 16 of 1 Peter 1. He actually quotes an Old Testament verse, and it's in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus chapter 19. So let's get back in there, okay? We talk about some things, I think, that are a little bit hard. Um, I, I hope, you know, my, my prayer always is, is that... Um, you know, our church family is where we can talk about really hard things, and maybe there are things we even, on the surface, can disagree on, okay? What you're not going to hear from me is a political message, okay? I don't think that either any party fits uh, Jesus Christ, okay? And I, I know people differ on that. I know people feel differently on that. Here's my dream, okay, is that disciples everywhere, regardless of what your belief is on any issue, okay, that my dream is is that we will, we will go back and be on God's side of an issue and wrestle with that and fight with that, no matter what inside of us is telling us something different, that we go there. So I'm not going to stump for anybody except God, okay? I hope that that's who we go for, that we really dig in. And, and he starts in chapter 18, and you want to know what? This is, this is the hard part, right, is he actually identifies in Leviticus chapter 18 Um, One of the reasons why he said, you know, this is why you don't want to be like the people of Canaan or the Egyptians. Um, He said, number one, their sexuality is just completely depraved. God's saying you can't be that way. Okay, And you want to know what we live in a hypersexual world? I mean, we're crazy to think that they had issues that we don't have. They're crazy to think that, you know, we think oftentimes like, well, I'd never follow an Egyptian God. I'd never follow a Canaanite God. Listen, the reason why is because we don't have that choice here. We're we're a Christianized society, right? Where that's kind of the norm that most people grow up in. And then now we're just starting to see like, you know, Islam come in and all that kind of stuff. But most people, (laughs) you didn't have a choice. Maybe you would have if that was the thing that was offered, okay? Okay. But he's telling them, he's like, listen, the view of sexuality was so depraved. And I mean, you read Leviticus 18. It's not in there theoretically. It's in there because it was going on. That was the norm, okay? And you know what's interesting is, can you think back in our society? Can you think back 40 years? Can you think back 50 years? Can you think back 70 years? And you look back and you go, what were they thinking? Yeah. What were they thinking 50 years ago? Can you do that? Like Anybody, can you do that? Of course you can. And you know what? It's easy to kind of stand on the high horse, right? Man, if I lived at that time, I wouldn't be like that. There's a reason people were like that, right? There was a reason people were like that. What are people going to say about us in 50 years? What are people going to say about us? They go, man, they were so ignorant. Why did, they, why did they do that? Okay, because it will happen. All right? And that's why this is important to go, hold on a minute, God, let me get on your, your page of holiness. All right, let, me, let me be real about this. And he says, you know, we've got to be real about, se- we've got to talk about that for real. About sexuality in a hypersexual world where everything is about that. Everything, every part of who you are as a person we make about that. Right. Everything is, and we've got to have that talk, but he says, listen, the, the goal of sexuality has to be his ends. It has to be what he decides sexuality to be. All right. Not what we get to decide, not what the news cycle gets to decide. And then the other thing that he says is that the people were killing their babies in fire. Could anybody imagine doing, we can't, right? I mean, that's a dumb question. You can't. What if it was so normal that you would actually think this is a way the, the gods could love us? This, this will bless our lives. If I put my child through the fire of Moloch. And it was happening enough that he had to write it here and he said, do not do that. In fact, many times he says, do not do that, okay? And it's just interesting because I think we've got to really consider um, what our view is about life. For real. We've got to have hard discussions about that. And I don't mean hard political discussions. I mean, we need to have hard, like, God discussions, Like, what does he think about life? And I don't mean just life of babies, but I mean, what about like later on in life? Let it. I hope it challenges our view on abortion. I hope it challenges our view on capital punishment. I hope it challenges our view on things because you know what I think? I think we're kind of like Rambo. I think when it comes to life, we're okay killing people that we don't like, right? And so on the political spectrum, you can be all over the place going, no, no, life is totally great except for this area or like and we're so everywhere instead of going what does God say about life okay and we're gonna learn more about this and like last week you're going hold on is Keith Fox News or CNN like which one is he right hold on a minute you got me there now you're over here and you're you know all these things I, here's what I'm saying is is dig in dig into this and then we went into we have fun with Leviticus 19 okay because Leviticus 18 he's saying this is what the people are doing that you I don't want you to do if you're going to be distinct in the world you can't do these things. okay? Then Leviticus 19. So so far, this is what we've gone through. And I want you to match it up with your view of holiness because remember the command is, is be holy. And God says, for I am holy. Let's not forget something really important, okay? Um, he doesn't just say be holy for no reason. He's saying because he is holy. So here's what's awesome about this. As we read through this, we get to learn about the character of God. And sometimes we miss that. We're like, oh, this is so weird. and It's all these things and these do's and don'ts. And what God is essentially doing is teaching us how he is to me and you. All right. In our worst moments, I want you to take yourself back to your worst moment in your life. And God's still going, I would die for you at that moment. Okay. That's what this is meant to melt our heart, not to create a legalistic structure of rules. Okay. So let that happen over time. Let it kind of soften your heart and go, oh, I see that he's asking me about it, but God is like this, okay? And what we went through already is, is we started out with the easy one. It says, if you want to be holy, boy, you know what part of that is? Respect mom and dad. That's everyone's easy one, huh? You're like, well, I'm not a kid anymore. Because this gave an age limit, right? It didn't give an age limit. It says, man, you do this. We talked about keeping the Sabbath, and if you ever want to go back and read that Deuteronomy 5, he tells them, the reason I want y'all to keep the Sabbath it's because I want you guys to remember you were slaves and I rescued you with a strong arm out of the grasp of Pharaoh, okay? So it's this idea of he's like, I want you to take a day where you don't do anything but remember that my arm saved you out of slavery, okay? He told him do that. He said, have, have a meal, have a peace offering or a, or, a, or a fellowship offering. And that's the one offering that, you know, everyone gets to eat it. The people, the family, and the priests. And what he's talking about is, is, you don't know what? Have a meal where you're whole. You're at peace with everybody. You're at peace with God and the people you're sitting there with. Okay? You want to know what? We miss out on that sometimes. We miss out on that. Did you have that meal this week? You know, where you sat down and you're like, I'm whole with everyone at this table and with God. Right? A lot of times we don't that because we, we avoid like dealing with things. Okay, we're going, oh, man, I'm not whole with that person. I'm not like, we're not together. I'm not whole. And I'm definitely not right with God. Man, that's something to talk about before the meal, right? Is this. It's awesome, all right? He talked about this. He said, hey, listen, man, don't, don't gather all your grapes. Don't gather all your, help the poor and the foreigner. If you want to be holy, okay? Isn't it easy this week? Think about the things you worried about this week, okay? Parents worried about their kids. Um, you know, if you're single, you're worrying about who you're gonna marry. Um, you know, if you want kids, you're worried about if you're gonna have kids. You know, there are all these it's so interesting that we can spend our week, whether it's about jobs or whatever it is, and really and it's great. We pray about it and, and, and that's fine. But isn't it interesting that many of us in here I would guess, you didn't have a day where you were like, Um, how can I serve the poor? How can I serve somebody who's not from our country who's here? how can I go find somebody to serve? Because that's being holy, right? And sometimes we forget that this is a proactive thing. He says, be holy, right? Have I proactively honored my parents, right? Have I proactively gone out and said, you know what? There are people in our little community here that have needs, and they don't have to be the people who are living on the street necessarily. They may be your neighbor that has a need. But you know what? When the disciples stop thinking like that, we aren't distinct anymore. We're just all trying to make it. And God, just give me what I want, then I'll be happy. Okay, and he's saying, now I want you to be holy. We talked about that last week. We talked about just the basic stuff. Listen, don't steal. Don't lie. Don't swear falsely. Don't oppress your neighbor. Be fair in judgment. Those are the things he's saying, like do these things. Don't harbor hatred. He said, listen, if you've got an issue with somebody, talk face-to-face with them. Boy, that's tough in social media days, isn't it? It's like, because we're all like, the younger you are, the more scared you are face-to-face. Okay? And it's that idea, and he's like, no, if you want to be holy, you go deal with things face-to-face. That's holiness. And what Brent brought up, he says, you want to know what holiness is? Loving your neighbor as yourself. Did you love your neighbor? And you know, it's funny, Jesus kind of turned that one on its ear, didn't he? I mean, you know, my neighbor, but I only have one neighbor because I live, no. <laughs> he says, your neighbor, who's your neighbor? Your neighbor's all around you. This week, did you pursue holiness in a way that you were like, you know what, I'm going to actively love my neighbor not just like say hey when they're out getting the newspaper or something like that, but I'm going to actively engage and love my neighbor exactly the way I love myself. That's holiness. Can you think about how do you love yourself? Okay, you, you take care of you. You make sure all your work is done. Before anything, you make sure that, you know, the stuff you need is taken care of. You need, make sure that your monetary needs are taken care of. You make sure, we make sure a lot of things that we get first. He said, now take that because we know how to be selfish. Now go and love your neighbor the same way. Boy, that's a higher calling. That's distinction, right? That's different than the rest of the world, than the rest of the religious world. That's different, okay? And so that's what we got through. Actually, you want to know what? We, We jumped in. I just teased you a little bit because... There's this middle section here that, that many times we read it and we're like, This is the dumbest section of the Bible. I don't understand it. Either that or we go, you see, this is why Christianity's not real. Because this is all this weird stuff, and we don't spend time like digging in and going, hold on, why'd you write that? Why'd you write that? And we started this here um, in Leviticus 19. We we talked about verse 19. We ended with this. He says, You were to keep my statutes. He said, don't crossbreed two different kinds of livestock. Don't sow your fields with two kinds of seeds. And don't put on a garment made of two kinds of material. Y'all, we're all messed up on that one. There's no one in here wearing pure linen, I don't think, you know, or whatever. We've got every, I mean, but this is one of those things where sometimes the argument against even Christianity or God, people will take this. And say, okay, so that's what we're supposed to do. And then you go to the farmer and you're like, you plant seeds, like two of the different seeds in the same field? Don't you wear clothes that have like nylon and cotton and all kinds of different materials in them? Don't you do that? Don't you let uh, an ox, you go to a farmer, don't you let two different animals kind of be yoked together if they need to be? You know, and we get all like, whoa, why is he talking about this? And we have to remember, we have got to enter into the world that he was writing to. Number one. Number two is, here's the important part. Um, how, how, what was these people's history with God that he's writing to? So we're talking about maybe 16th century B.C., almost 4,000 years ago. He's writing to people. Can you think about what their history is with God up until this point? Almost nothing. You're like, do they know Jesus? No. Do they know David? No. Did they have the Psalms? No. Did they have the prophets? No. Do they, have any? they didn't have any of that. It's just, there's God, and they were in slavery for like 400 years, so they had kind of lost even connection with their own history. And here's God, and I want you to ask yourself this. If you had to teach hundreds of thousands of people how to be faithful, begin. <laughs> Because sometimes we go, oh, man, I'd have done it different if I was God. Like, why did he do all that, talking about seeds and all that kind of stuff? Why is he doing that? We are going. hold on a minute. Stop for a second. You're going to teach this incredibly large group of people who have absorbed the Egyptian culture how to be holy. And you know the best way to do that? Is you start talking about things they understand. You start illustrating things in, in a way they understand. Okay. And then we get dangerous. We start mix, mix, uh, just mixing this stuff up. And essentially, we get to fast forward into a time after Jesus is taught, after the apostles have lived. We have the Bible, like, all in, in what it needs to be, okay? So we have, we have all that history to go back. And we see there's this lesson. And it's almost like a lesson like you learned in kindergarten when you learned how to do math, right? Um, Here's, you got one bean, you got one bean, now you have two beans. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> you got one bean, you got one bean, there's two beans. I'm going to teach you how to all be holy, okay? And he's saying, here's the deal. Ultimately, where we're standing today, the lesson that he's beginning to tell is light and darkness have no thing together. Okay? There is not God and God. All right, And you don't put two things together that aren't supposed to be, okay? And ultimately, that gets translated in our time as light and darkness, okay? As sin and not sin, as being in Christ and not being in Christ, okay? This is, the, the, this is that little small one bean plus one bean equals two beans, okay? Is, some of you guys take pretty advanced math. You know, it all started out with that. One bean plus one bean equals two beans, okay? It, that's where it started. That's this right here. He's going, no, no, he's not talking about like, oh, you mean, Keith, that we got to have seeds and worry about the mules and all that kind of stuff. But, but I do want to say this. This is like a little teacher moment here, okay? Huge question people have. How do you know the stuff in the Old Testament that needs to be practiced in our times in the New Testament? How do you know that? We struggle with that because there's some things in the Old Testament like this, and we're going to read some more. And we're going, uh, hold on a minute. There's some things we're supposed to do and some things we're not. Is that just arbitrary? Is that just Christians today going, oh, just making it up as they go? Oh, no, 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 no. We, no, no, no. The, the cotton industry is not allowing us to do it. No, 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 no. No, we've got to know, hold on, what is this? And it really, the simplest way to describe it is, is just like in your Bibles, you have an old covenant and a new covenant. And you have in a, in a will, in a legal document of some sort, you have the standards and expectations and in a covenant relationship, right? Um, And here's the cool thing about this is Jesus fulfilled the entire old covenant, okay? Meaning it was, and you can read this in Hebrews 9, Colossians 2, there's so many places where where the old law was nullified by Jesus. It was not in, in effect any longer, okay? And so essentially you could go, okay, all of this is kind of like off the radar, except when the new covenant is being brought in, whatever gets brought forward. So whatever gets, whatever spoken of in the new covenant is what we're bound to. And you know what's not in the new covenant? Not planting seeds of two different kinds. <laughs> All right? You know what's not in the new covenant? Is material of clothing. It's not in there. Okay? Here's what we can learn, though, from the old covenant. We can learn principles. See this principle of light and darkness, this principle that he's beginning to teach, that principle never goes away. That principle is always there, okay? And so we learn these principles, right? And, uh, and so he, he did this thing, so if you, you need, maybe you need more help with the, I'm Listen, let's talk about that at some point. Is, okay, Keith, how do you know? You know in the Ten Commandments, how many of the Ten Commandments are actually repeated in the New Covenant? How many of them? Can you guess? You're like, this is a trick question, man. Like, is it, it can't be none, right? I mean, there's murders in there. <laughs> you're like, one, two, one. nine of them are. There's one that isn't, right? What is it, Jody? The Sabbath. And boy, I tell you what, if you want to be blown away about the Sabbath, we're not going to do that here, read Hebrews. It will blow your mind, okay? But the Sabbath is not so, even today, you know, we do this, right? Oh, man, I'm going to keep the Sabbath. No, you're not. The Sabbath is not Sunday. <laughs> Okay, it's the last day. It's it's Saturday. Okay. Now here's the other thing about it is, is we don't keep it either. Like, don't fool yourself. You're going, you know what? You know what? I really hear that principle from God. I need to keep the Sabbath. Really? Because He doesn't say that in the New Covenant. Okay. Do you need to slow down? Yeah. Do you need to unplug from stuff? Yes. Right. Absolutely, do that. But don't do a religious thing of going. I'm going to start observing the Sabbath because you listen. That's dangerous. Right. People died for not following the statutes of the Sabbath. Okay, um, And so anyway, we get through this. Put your seatbelt on. It's a little PG-13, what we're going to get into here, but it's okay. All right? Uh, now right? <laughs> now the kids are like, tell me more. Yeah. I got the, the notebook out. My daughter's going, gosh, this is like the worst. My dad is saying words that I just don't want him to say. Oh, my goodness. And and here's what we're going to do. We aren't going to stop and go through this deep. Listen, uh, take notes, study through this. But we're in a section right here where what God is really teaching the people is there's a way that the world is living. You can't live that way. Okay. And, uh, And he starts out here. He says, well, not even starts out. He's in the middle. In verse 20, it says, If a man has sexual intercourse with a woman who's a slave designated for another man, but she has not been redeemed or given her freedom. There must be punishment. They are not to be put to death because she had not been freed. However, he must bring a ram as his restitution offering to the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And so, you know, they go through this. Um, That little verse right there, our ears close immediately. There's so many words that are just trigger words, right? It's like, I'm not listening to that. No, no, this is horrible. This is what... That's all I'm saying. We've got to do that with the Bible. There are going to be some things that make us so angry. And here's what I want you to do. Tell yourself, just slow down. Let's read through this, okay? Because like I said, there's all kinds of triggers going. First of all, man has sexual intercourse with a woman who's a slave. We're going, oh, my goodness, there's so much wrong with that, right? And we have to understand, okay, at this time, um, there, was a, there was a lot of slavery, okay? And it oftentimes had to do with debt, okay? It oftentimes had to do with crime, And oftentimes it had to do with being a prisoner of war, okay? And you're going, well, I don't agree with any of that stuff. It's not asking us to agree. He just said this is what's happening in the world, okay? But he tells them this, and this is something that we have to dig into. He says, if you do this, um, he said, not even that you need to be put to death, but there needs to be this punishment that happens. But ultimately the message is, um, even if somebody, like in this case, was a slave, was actually owned by somebody else, that people aren't property. That's very, we've, we've got to be right. We've got to get right with that, okay? Because of this idea of, no, no, you don't get to just do whatever you want. because Oh, no, that's my neighbor's slave. He's like, no. No, 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 people aren't property in any case, any way, shape, or form, okay? It's, you don't get to do this, all right? And I want you to think about so much of being holy is about how we treat one another. And not just that we treat people good but we treat people with the love that Jesus showed us. Okay. That's really what we're going to see holiness is so much about. And he goes on in verse 23. He says, okay, here's the deal. Another weird one. When you come into the land and you plant any kind of tree for food, you're to consider the fruit forbidden. Think about that. You go into a land, you're like, this is great. Look at the property. It's awesome. We're going to plant some fruit trees. and We're going to plant all kinds of vegetables in the garden and all this kind of stuff. He says, oh, hold on a minute. Consider that fruit forbidden to eat say, what? No, no, no. Okay, for how long? Like just the first harvest? No, no, no. He goes on. He said, it will be forbidden for three years. It's not to be eaten. In the fourth year, all its fruit must be consecrated as a praise offering, but in the fifth year, you can eat its fruit. All right? Listen, you know, what a lesson to drive home. I mean, you want to talk about trusting God you want to talk about the idea of viewing things as God's grace to us rather than I'm just a great farmer. Hey, I came in. This is good soil. I planted it, and there's my food, and it's my food. God's going, no, it's not. In fact, for three years, no, it's not. And then the fourth year when it's all beautiful and like that fruit is really coming in, then you offer it to me as a sacrifice. Think about that in your family. okay? Think about that in your family where you're going, Dad, what year is it? Third year. Go and get rid of it. Man, Dad, I want some of those oranges, man. And I want that fruit looks so good. You got to understand, son, this is not our fruit. That's not our fruit. We don't go through life. Just it's about us. That's God's fruit. OK, he gave us this land. He made it grow. Can you imagine how many lessons you're teaching your kids just about how things grow? OK, after three years, and then four years. And he's going, OK, go, kids, go get the fruit. And you got it all piled up and going, this is awesome fruit salad, right? I mean, this is incredible. And he goes, all right, now we're going to go sacrifice it. Huh? Are you kidding me? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to be grateful for it. Does that sound distinctly different than how we respond to life today? Which is, no, I want it now. Like God, give it to me now so I can like it now. Like I don't want to wait. I don't want to go slower. I don't want to give you I'll give you gratitude when you give me something to be grateful for. Okay? he's going, no, you go out to that field and you work every year. Okay? Think about the conversations me and you would be having in our head as we were going out and just throwing away the fruit. And you're going, man, you know what? We would deal with some demons, right? <laughs> We'd be dealing with who is this guy. I mean, can you imagine the bitterness that we would have to go through at times? To get us to a place of going, God, thank you that you even allowed this fruit to grow. Boy, that's distinctly different than our world, where you got to have it now or I'm going to pout. Okay? That may be your thing. I'm going to tell you, you got to repent. Okay? This isn't different. got to repent. All right? And so he goes on and he says, um, he goes, don't eat anything with blood in it. You're not to practice divination or sorcery. Why? Because that was like a pagan practice. He's like, don't practice like they did. Don't work, don't do religious things like the people you see around you. He says this, man, don't cut the hair on the sides of your head. Let let those things grow. And the girls are going, yes. (laughs) Oh, my dream, man, of just some curly long, you know. He said, Don't cut the corners of your beard. Man, make keep that corner. Okay, don't cut the corner and you're going, really? And you want to know what? People live like that today. Oh gosh, I better not do that. I'm in trouble. He's gonna, you got to understand something. All of these have their roots in paganism. All of these have their roots in a religious ceremony. All of these have their roots in, in what the world was doing to false gods, okay? And he's saying, listen, you're distinct from that. Don't try to fit into that. All right, so it's not about grooming of today, right? I mean, it's okay. You're going, oh, my goodness, should I? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have trimmed him up uh, this morning. You're okay. You're okay. It gets worse, though, okay? Uh, he, he says here, he says, uh, don't cut the hair off the sides of your head. Verse 28, don't make gashes on your body for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ashamed. <laughs> it says right there, Bible says no tattoos. Right there. God, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Listen, maybe you shouldn't have spent the money on the tattoo you got, okay? <laughs> and I'm saying, don't spend all kinds of money on it. But, again, this has everything to do with its culture. And oftentimes, this was like like morning rituals. This was like death rituals of false gods, okay? Um, now, now here's what I will say about that. I have tattoos. And you're going, well, that's why you're justifying yourself. <laughs> so, see, Keith, you've got to make the Bible fit you, Right? <laughs> But, but here's the thing about it is is, is um, I, I do have some parameters on this, okay? Uh, if, chances are, if you're going to work in the elementary school, like anything on your throat is not good, okay? <laughs> and if you can't afford it, don't get it, all right? I'm just saying, we, I, it's amazing to me. I'm, I talk to people because I love tattoo. I'm telling you, if I could get away with it, I would love to have tattoo like just <laughs> sleeved up and, oh my goodness, I would love it, okay? And then at some point you go, Keith, how much money does that even cost, Right? More than my kids' college fund, probably, okay? So I mean, there's more issues about this because I'm not saying, hey, go on after church and get you some tattoos, okay? But I'm saying in this case, this isn't a prohibition today for people who have tattoos. He's saying you're trying to fit in, you're not being distinctive from the world you're around. Okay. And don't do it. Do not do that, okay? And there's some practical applications for us today with that of of the melding we have into a into a world that we're going, I don't want to seem weird though. I don't want to not partake in that, okay? And we think this is weird, gashing and all this kind of stuff, but they were doing it, okay? He goes on to verse 29. He says, don't debase your daughter by making her a prostitute. That's like parenting one-on-one, right? I'm like, absolutely, but here's the deal, okay? I will tell you this. Here's, here's the crazy thing is, 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 guys. There are things in our mind that we justify that God does not justify, okay? And, and I've shared this story with you before. I mean, we've had conversations with disciples, Okay? Not here, okay, this wasn't this this particular one. But we had actually had a sister that, that thought it would be good to earn some extra money by being a stripper. And silence, dude. <laughs> like, whoa! You know, but here's the deal is in, in her defense, you want to know what she grew up with? That's normal. It's normal. You know? If you didn't grow up where that was normal, you're like, oh my goodness, oh, I can't believe it. But here's the deal is, is if you live in a, in a society where it's normalized. You're kind of like, this could be a good thing for the family, right? And again, he's telling you, listen, here's the deal is, is human life matters. Dignity matters. Sexuality matters, right? All of these, like he's saying, if you want to be distinct, don't be like the world. Don't be like the world in sexuality. Don't be like the world in how you love people. Don't be like the world, okay? He says, don't turn to mediums or consult spiritists or you'll be defiled by them. I am Yahweh, your God, okay? And now, so that section kind of changes, and then he says this, rise in the presence of the elderly and honor the old, okay? And that's not even, he's not joking, Amen. okay? It's this idea of, you know, we've, we've lost that today. I mean, there is a, our culture has lost respect levels, okay, to where we respect people who are older and respect people who have experienced life and respect that. In fact, it's more of like a race to let me, let me finally show my parents that they didn't know what they were talking about, Let me find, see, they ruined, my parents ruined the world, so now I've got to go and fix it. So arrogant. So arrogant, okay? And he's saying no, and and I love this because he said, listen, if you need some, some substance to this, like honor, rise in the presence of the elderly, honor the old, he says, fear your God. That goes a long way. He's going, I'm Yahweh. Fear me. When I say this, I mean this. I don't mean mess around with this, okay? I mean you honor them, all right? Then he gets into, oh my goodness. When a foreigner lives with you in your land, you must not oppress him. You must regard the foreigner who lives with you as the native born among you, okay? You are to love him as you love yourself. For you are foreigners in the land of Egypt, and I am Yahweh your God. This right here, man, I'm telling you. um, Just in Christianity in general, I I don't think I'm making this up or being overly dramatic. I think we've made an art form over the last few decades of finding people it's okay to hate. (laughs) And they're generally not people who look like us. Okay? What if the attitude was this? Okay? And I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't know if you're going through all kinds of political, like, all this national security and all these things. But he's just saying what he's saying here. I mean, saying, love the foreigner um, <coughs> like you love yourself. Uh, that, that's stunning how difficult that is. And none of us, I know, we could be sitting here and going, man, I am so righteous in this area. All right, you might be patting yourself on the back. See, I tell people that all the time. You know, no, 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 so just, just stop, okay? Because the thing about it is, is you may be fighting the fight for one particular group while you hate another particular group. Isn't that funny how that works today? It's like, hey, let's not fight with one another while we're fighting with one another. Isn't it amazing? It's just who we're picking and choosing to fight with. He's saying, no, you love the foreigner. You know, this reminds me of this each year. It's like when campus starts back, you know, it's really interesting because if, if like the week before or even the first day of classes, you just kind of sit around and you see students sometimes like they have their phone now, but it used to be like a map. You remember like the first day of anything where you're just scared to death because you don't know where to go. Like, I don't know. This is totally foreign to me. This is, I don't, you know, and you're thinking, I don't want to ask for help, but all I need is help, okay? And the thing about it is, is honestly, a distinctive people should be able to put themselves in the shoes of people who just need help, who, who aren't used to being here, who don't know, right? They're new. Like being able, to, and he says, you want to know why? Because God said, I did that for y'all. When you came out of Egypt, I was like that for you. I got it. I understand you. Like, come on, I'm doing that, now you do that. Isn't that amazing how much holiness is about that over and over and over again? It's having an understanding of what Jesus has done for me as a foreigner, as a slave. Right? I, uh, before I was baptized, I was a slave to sin. You know what? God rescued me. Right? How many times we're meant to be exactly the same way to others as he was to us? Okay? And he says this. Finishing this up, he said, you must not be unfair in measurement of length, weight, or volume. You're to have honest balances, honest weights, honest dry measure, and honest liquid measure. It's like, be honest in your business, okay? Don't cheat people. All right? Because you could, you could rig things. Like, if you're paying things by weight, you could make weights differ and pay them differently. He's like, just be honest. It might cost you something to be honest. You can make more money by being dishonest. You can Okay? But here's the interesting thing. It doesn't seem like God is super like, worried about how much money we're going to make. In fact, when he tells early on the vineyard owner to go, don't take all the grapes out of your... Don't take them all out. But those are mine. But those can make me money. But those can feed my family. I don't care. They're for the foreigner and the poor. Okay? And it's just interesting here how he says this. And he says, you must keep all of these statutes, my ordinance, and do them. I am Yahweh. Okay? And so go back and read this, go back and study this, go back and pray. And here's one thing we've got to remember. Peter was telling us, be holy for I am holy, right? To go back and and reread even Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 19 and let it just be driven into our hearts about number one, the heart of God. All right. That's so vital. Okay. But number two, the mind of God. Like we learned, God, what do you think of sexuality. What do you think of oppression? What do you think of social justice? What do you think of these things? Like, how should I be that way? Because the truth is, in every situation, I think we would all agree, like, our world is not heaven, right? I think everybody would agree that, with that, okay? But here's the one thing I know for sure. Um, I'm part of the problem, and I'm part of the solution, okay? God's point isn't like, hey, go, go make another group. God's point is, no, my people will make the world better when they're holy my people will be able to proclaim my message of salvation my people will help people to be to to come to freedom okay it's not to go join some other group that's helping it's the idea of no i need to join in here okay it's interesting though is is i wonder how leviticus 19 would change if it was written today you know, would it, would it talk about seeds and would it talk about, you know, farm animals and all that kind of stuff? What issues would it discuss? What issues would the writer of Leviticus, like, get into to remind us to be distinct? Okay. And I, and I think it's not hard to find out. I mean, I think number one is, is, I think there'd probably be a lot about our entertainment choices. I think there'd be a lot. Okay. And, I, and I'm telling you, this is one of those ones I hate most. I don't mean hate in a righteous way. I mean hate in an unrighteous way. Because there are shows I watch and movies I watch that I'm like, I, 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 I don't want to think about this because I really like the show. And the show may be glorifying sin. <laughs> right? This is so strange. And, and honestly, I'm telling you, man, I feel like like a little baby even thinking about this. because I'm going, no, 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 no. God, you would like this show. God, hold on a minute, stop a minute, okay? I'm not, listen, I'm not going to delineate what shows either. You figure it out. You go and sit back. You go and let the temperature come down a little bit and go, really? Well, could I, like, face-to-face, fearing God, go, yeah, I can, I can watch this. And, man, I'm telling you, this is hard, okay? And it's not just the decisions we make, I don't think, in entertainment. It's that we always have to be entertained. <laughs> we have to be. I think, I think God would say something about that about our holiness, okay? He, you know, obviously there's the sexuality for sure. I think he'd say a lot about relationships, about how we love each other. I think he'd really talk about that is the world isn't proactive in their love. Be proactive. You know, and, and here's the other thing. Have you thought about this lately is I think God would really talk about our materialism. I think he would. Man, we are a overfed people. I don't just mean the clemson foothills Church. I'm talking about people here in Clemson, we have everything we need we have all the food we need we throw away food we're given so many things and you want to know what and we're addicted to getting new things and new stuff and and retail therapy and if i just go and buy this new thing it's going to make me feel better and i think you want to know what that doesn't preach as well as sexual sin because we're kind of like hold on we're, we're all kind of guilty of that in here Let's not talk about it then. Like let's not be real about that, you know. Because we can have arguments like, "No, but you got to buy the good stuff because that lasts longer." Right? That's why you buy the good stuff. It's not why you buy the good stuff cuz it looks good when you wear it. Okay, don't give me that. That's what that's what the farmer said 100 years ago, like, "Right. Give me the overalls that are really thick, okay? They'll last longer." No, 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 no. Listen. The way style goes in and out, you don't want it to last longer. The, I'm from the 80s. The last thing I wanted was parachute pants to last longer, okay? <laughs> Believe me, there's nothing in my drum gun. I'm glad I bought those really expensive parachute pants. I still wear them today, okay? No. We gotta, here's what I'm saying is, is we've got to kind of break free of the arguments that keep us from being holy, and, okay, we, and take a hard look at that. I would say entertainment. I would say relationships. I would say materialism, right? Um. And, and and here's the deal, you know what holiness does? It ignites faith, it just does. I mean, holy when we're really plugged in, and 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 understanding God, a God who is holy, a God who ain't messing around, a God who means business, right? This God who is like, man, I don't uh, no holes, bar- man, everything's out the window. I'm I'm giving my son, I'm giving everything. I am radically going after the world, okay? That God, okay, to be holy like he's holy ignites faith because it requires God. I'm trusting that guy. Like I may look goofy in this world. I may not watch this show in this world. I may not partake in this thing in this world. I may not go and have like all the best clothes or whatever, but you want to know what? Our faith will be ignited. In holiness. Okay. So I'm going to encourage you. Dig in. We're going to move off of this from now. I mean, we're going to get into the meat of First Peter. We're probably going to jump into chapter 2. Um, but he's not going to leave this. This is going to be woven in through everything.